If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It is episode 604 for July 19th, 2023. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, as always here, and I'm joined by a couple faces, one that you're used to seeing and one that you're going to get used to seeing for the foreseeable future. Destin Legary, first up, how are you, my friend? Bam, I'm doing great. Good to see you, Ryan. Good to see you. Likewise. Guest, who Ryan will introduce. <laughs> Getting ahead of me a little. That's okay. Here we go. You know him, Khalif Adams. He is the host and co-creator of the Spawn on Me podcast, one of the most important shows in gaming. You got to subscribe to it. You got to watch it or listen to it. Consume it. That's all. You just got to get it in your ears and eyes. Khalif, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm amazing. And and again, thank you you both for having me and 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 being a, being a part of the show for a little bit. You know, running running the table, running the gauntlet uh, as Miranda's handling some other business on the outside world. Uh, I'm just really hyped and excited to be to be with y'all. The reception was really good to the conversations that got put on on social media. So shout out to you and shout out to everybody who was who was excited for this to to, to happen. So. Yeah, so for anybody that may be wondering, wait, what is he talking about? So on last <laughs> week's podcast, uh, we mentioned Miranda is going to be taking basically a, a hiatus from Unlocked, not because she doesn't want to be here. It's quite the opposite. She loves doing this podcast, but uh, 2023 has turned into, as we've all been gloriously enjoying, one of the biggest and best years of video games in a while. Like this is shaping up to be another 2007 kind of level year. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember the, the glory that was 2007. But that <laughs> that uh, big year has meant that the Wiki team, the, the Wiki and Game Help team that, ma- that Miranda manages, is just completely underwater all the time, from I- Diablo to Zelda to Jedi Survivor to Starfield coming up. All this stuff. Pikmin 4 is out today, I think, or, or in a couple days. So it's it just doesn't stop. So Miranda having to step away from the podcast to just focus solely on that wiki work 
uh, that yeah. is Miranda's that is what, not uh, Miranda's not like doing collectibles, by the way. She makes these amazing elaborate spreadsheets. She employs like a ton of freelancers she's got to coordinate. Yeah. She coordinates the whole internal team in terms of strategy. Like when I have a guide idea, I go to Miranda and we coordinate the plan of attack for a for a guide together, usually directed by her. So like these huge games that are coming out. Miranda's like on top of it and the whole guide sphere led by her has seen drastic improvements. Uh, it's, it's really awesome to see. So, uh, she's been really doing an amazing job at that. And I just wanted to like, well, I'll give her props. I'll be like, you're doing acceptable work. That's what I always say when somebody's <laughs> doing like really, really spectacular work, but yeah. She's great. No, well said. Yeah. And and so that all that is to say that Miranda is just not able to be on Unlocked for a while because of just all these big, huge, amazing games coming out that that are her responsibility to manage that wiki and game help, which we all use those those wikis, those game helps. Uh, so, you know, I was looking for what was the last I was looking for the what are the the, the bone, the bone fragments or whatever for the health potion upgrade earlier in my Diablo four journeys and it's like, well, look them right up on the, on the wiki where to find them. So anyway, yeah, we'll miss Miranda, but not long after I tweeted that, 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 that was going to be the case. Ka reaches out privately and says, Hey, I am happy to step in and, and fill that chair for, uh, for as long as you need me to. And I am so grateful for you to, for, for doing that, my friend, it's, uh, it's super cool. You always make unlocked better whenever you're here. So you're going to make us better for, the foreseeable future, and I'm really grateful to you for that. I just, I'm just happy to be here and rock it with some of the best in the business. So I, I'm I'm ready to get it in and and make it happen. Thank you to everybody in on the Unlock team, especially for Miranda and 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 Stella and the rest of this the the crew for always being amazing when I get a chance to to rock with y'all. So excited, excited to to make it happen and get more unlocked folks within within the cipher. So it's good. Yes. Yeah, so that also means so we now have. The kind of funny versus IGN, Paris versus Khalif. <laughs> somebody proposed a cook-off between, led by you guys, between IGN and, and kind of funny, and I think we actually need to do that. I mean, it's summer. I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't do this. We need to either just set up in maybe uh, the kind of funny parking lot, bust some grills out. I, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> figure this out. Is all I'm saying. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, we have to determine which office is closer to a hospital, because if, <laughs> if, if, you, if Paris is cooking, then you're going to need to not have that long ambulance ride to be able to get to the to the emergency room. So, uh, you know, if we can figure that out and, and do the geos on that, we'll figure it out and make it make it. Make it <laughs> we can get a paramedic on site, you know, just like like a movie set, just in case, in case anything <laughs> no goes doubt. wrong. No doubt. Oh, man. And uh, Stella, by the way, we miss Stella. She is on her way as we speak down to San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. to help be part of IGN's SDCC team. Just check out IGN starting, I think it's tonight is when everything kind of kicks off, so we're going to have a ton of Comic-Con coverage. I know one of the things we have already already on the site right now is the exclusive poster reveal for Invincible Season 2. I can't wait for that show to come back. Oh, so oh, that, that jumped out at me. Mm -hmm. uh, one quick housekeeping note before we get rolling. I've mentioned in the past our new, you know, you remember our IGN Prime program. We've totally revamped that. So IGN Rewards, which is open to all IGN users. You have the chance right now, if you're signed up for that, to win a limited edition Xbox from Porsche. You may remember that from, I think it was either the Showcase or the Extended Showcase. Those, uh, those sort of custom painted, custom livery, if you will, 
uh, Porsche Xbox Series X's. So that uh, is running for right now. If you're so, go sign up for the totally free IGN Rewards program. You can also win a Nintendo Switch and an uh, Enclave HD, and then. Oh, that's that's the game, Enclave HD. And then Siberia, the world before the collector's edition. We've got PlayStation and Xbox copies of the collector's edition for that that we're giving away as well. So you can uh, you can be have a chance to to enter and win that. And then on the IGN plus side, that's our our paid subscription tier. So you've get you get free games with your paid membership on that. Right now we have free Steam codes for Eskimo Bob, free uh, good old games codes for American Hero, and uh, free Steam codes for World Championship Boxing Manager 2. So throwing some free games your way if you are signed up for that. Uh, and finally, there's just one other thing I want to mention. The Somehow, someway, the timing always burns me on the recording of this show. And as it so happens, there is an Xbox thing that the embargo is tom- tomorrow, Thursday, we record on Wednesday, that I really want to tell you about, but I can't. But let's just say if you do your homework, there's a thing coming out tomorrow for Xbox that you can probably guess what it is. And if you know me, you probably can guess that I love it. And I've commented on it before. I got to play it and I really want to tell you about it, but technically I can't. All I'm saying is check check IGN tomorrow. We're going to have a really cool video. And then you're actually able to play this thing starting tomorrow as well. So I'll leave you all in the comments to figure out what it is. It won't take you long. But it had me grinning ear to ear the whole time I, I got a sneak peek at this. Voodoo Vince. Remastered. <laughs> Remastered. Yeah, that it already happened. Yeah, now we need to go for the full remake, the Resident Evil style remake of Voodoo Vince. Oh um let's uh, let's have somebody else other than me talk. We had uh Ty, I know you've been around a while. We had to say we're we sort of, you know, with smiles on our faces and love in our hearts, we said goodbye to an Xbox legend this week. Oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, yeah, Larry. Not Hove. he's not dead. To be clear, no, he's just not. he's <laughs> fine. <laughs> he's alive and hopefully well. Uh, Major Nelson is stepping down, uh, and and you know it's it's a sad day in the Xbox sphere to see, you know, Larry now kind of you know take a step step down and, and kind of you know go back behind the scenes and do a lot more work. In in that respect, you know, Larry has been you know one of the kind of initial when I think of brand ambassadors i think of larry i think of the work that he's been able to do over gosh how many two two decades now to get decades yeah, 20 plus. years uh in, in this space he's one of the reasons why i decided to do some of this work uh, in the video game industry and kind of getting a chance to see all of the things that he's been able to accomplish over the over the years at xbox it just really is um it's a really it's a really great time to give him his flowers for being able to do all the work that he's been able to do and to continue to to, to uplift and showcase the xbox brand in in such a monumental and, and fantastic way over the years so yeah him stepping down is, is is a real interesting milestone for xbox who takes that slot who takes that spot to be able to do a lot more of that work and you know not born voyage because we know we'll see Larry around, but but also really great to know that he's he's doing well and in, in, in making some some good moves for himself over in the Xbox I mean, he, side of things. He's basically the OG Xbox podcaster, right? I think yeah. it's fair to say with uh, yeah. Major Nelson Radio and then later just the the Xbox podcast. Yeah, he's uh, I I have never had an unpleasant interaction with Larry Herb. Not once, not ever. The guy's always been extremely pleasant extremely kind and generous with his time uh he's just yeah he's always been 
I, I've always enjoyed talking to him. He's also a Tesla guy, so we'll whenever we get together, he'll yeah. always we'll talk about about that as well. But Xbox, Tesla, whatever, whatever it is, it's uh, it's always been a pleasure. So I don't know if Larry's listening or if he's just like sipping pina coladas <laughs> on a beach somewhere, which he probably should be. He's disease earned that after yeah. twenty years. But yeah, he announced his depart his uh, his. I don't know if we can call it a departure, but certainly yeah. a departure from the role we know him in. He says, after 20 incredible years, I have decided to take a step back and work on the next chapter of my career. As I take a moment and think about all we have done together, I want to thank the millions of gamers around the world who have included me as part of their lives. He continued saying, also, thanks to Xbox team members for trusting me to have a direct dialogue with our customers. The future is bright for Xbox, and as a gamer, I'm excited to see the evolution. So just the the quick resume recap for him he started at microsoft in 2001 as the editor-in-chief of msn music becoming a senior project manager on the xbox team in 2003 he uh, contributed to many features of the xbox 360 and xbox live including the achievement system cloud saves party chat and in-game messaging he then became the senior director of corporate communications in 2012 so larry wherever you are whatever you're up to we will miss you. You're always welcome here if you ever want to pop back in and say hi. Uh, but yeah, it's he's the best. Destin, have you have you had a, got a, gotten a chance to know him too well at all over the years? I think we've met, you know, once or twice at events. Yeah, always very kind. It was just sort of a, a shock to see that he's leaving because when somebody's been in a company that long, you kind of associate the brand with that person, especially because he has like the Major Nelson podcast and everything like that, um, and all the shows that he's just ingrained within. It's going to be interesting to see where they go from here without Larry and uh, what happens going forward with those products. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what he does next. He's been saying that he has a lot of opportunities in front of him, but right now he's just taking a little bit of much needed and earned R&R, like you said, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 20 years, it's one thing I've noticed about, you know, the fact that I've been covering Xbox for 20 years, that there are a lot of what I would generously and not in any way not a dig but i would i would affectionately call lifers at microsoft there are i mean from phil spencer on down there's a lot of people there that have been there for either their entire careers or most of their careers you know a lot of just like 10 years is practically nothing on for some of these (laughs) for some of these xbox folks like a lot of them are 15 years 20 years and that tells you that Microsoft and Xbox must be a pretty cool place to work if those folks have wanted to stick around that long. So all the best to Larry and uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what he does next. But I hope he is. And I hope he is sipping a a fruity alcoholic beverage on a beach somewhere (laughs) right now. Uh, We will all be sipping fruity alcoholic beverages once this damn Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard closes. Destin. You are our unofficial correspondent on this, following it more closely than any of us. We're we're so close, and we are effectively there, but we're not officially there yet. (laughs) Give us the update. Yeah, so basically, it's going on a little bit longer, everybody. Get ready. FTC is done. The FTC appealed the decision, which was in Microsoft's favor, allowing them to close in the U.S., 
Uh, that was denied. So the FTC is considering what they do next. However, today there's a big update. Basically, the CMA decided that they're going to figure things out and things are sort of on hold with the CMA now as they reevaluate their decision. Surprise, surprise. As soon as the FTC loses in court, the CMA is backpedaling. And now the new date that was just announced by Microsoft's Brad Smith, Phil Spencer, Lulu Cheng Masurvi, Bobby Kotick, everybody just announced this. It is uh, October 18th. That's going to allow any time for CMA-based adjustments. The CMA is projecting end of August for closing, and I think they just have that buffer in there. There's larger dollar amounts associated with it. I think it's up to $4.5 billion if the deal falls apart now, if they go past that October 18th date. And then we also have the potential FTC trial in August. If that happens, Microsoft will definitely close over the FTC at this point. But with the CMA, they're going to work with the, the CMA. Basically, I listened to that whole hearing. It was very boring. The CMA really, really wants to adjust their original decision, but they have to do it in a way where they meet the legal obligations of doing that. So the judge repeatedly talked about, look, there's no reality where Activision and Microsoft aren't going to merge at this point. So like, let's stop pretending it's not going to happen. There were announcements with Sony signing the 10-year deal which we'll get to more in a second. Yeah, I'm sorry, so many shortly. things happened, Ryan. So many <laughs> things happened. So uh, the CMA attorney basically said, uh, this is going to happen. We have new information. The FTC lost their case. Like, all these things happened. Uh, let's go back to the table. The CMA wants to go back to the table. Microsoft, Activision all want to. They're going to. New deadlines, August 29th for that. Merger deadlines, October 18th. Thank you for that uh, Sorry. very detailed update. No, it's, it's all good. We're, but suffice it to say, we are like, we're over the hump on this. It's like, it's just a matter of the, the details now and whether or not there's going to be some sort of seemingly, as you said, cloud specific concession or adjustment made specific to the UK, right? So on, yeah. as far as the US goes, this is all happening. And for most of the rest of the world, this is happening just as is it's super interesting that the ftc losing and playstation signing the deal are what the cma kept referring to as notable over the weekend and i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa you blocked it because of cloud what does what do those decisions have to do with you backpedaling no 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 <laughs> we all know what's going on here you know you got you know you're st sitting on an island by yourself and you got not us so like it was just interesting to hear them spin it that way. Khalif, before we talk about that 10-year uh, deal being signed and how it reminded me of the end of the Goonies where uh, where the, the dad is being forced to sign away his, his property to the to the golf course guys right until until the you know the jewels are discovered in the in the in the pouch that the Fratelli's missed and no doubt. Uh, but um just we haven't, you know, I think you were last on with us at some important there was some, the last time you were here, there was some important thing going down, I think, as it result as it pertained to this. But yeah, um, my memory aside, my foggy memory aside, what like what is your take on all this going down? Like, are you what are you excited about? Are you fearful of of anything that might come out of this? 
Like where where have you kind of landed with with this massive sixty nine billion dollar acquisition? I've landed in two different places. The FTC is finalized the contract, and CMA is come on already. Let, let's figure this thing out and like break it down and hurry to get to a, a place of resolution. Because uh, again, like I, I shared this on a couple of episodes of uh, Spawnomy a while ago, was like at the end of the day. For consumers, what does this actually mean? And that's the part that I'm really kind of interested in. Like the hullabaloo that's happening and all the posturing that's happening within those spaces, it really bubbled up a couple of things for me that were important was one, I'm paying a lot of money to my government to be really not involved in the process of understanding technology. And two, as a player and as a person who is in a lot of these ecosystems, I just want to know where the things are going to be once this deal is done. Where am I going to be able to play X game? Where am I going to be able to play this versus that? And I think at the end of that conversation is where the real dust will settle and where all of us who are just thinking about the the, the prospect of where to play, that's where the rubble will hit the road for everybody else. Because I think a lot of this posturing is rich people getting mad at other rich people about rich people things that is not really going to do anything for the folks at home who are going to potentially be talking about one of the things that we're going to discuss a little bit later in the show, which is comes down to your wallet, right? It comes down to your wallet, comes down to choice, and it comes down to exactly what is happening from a business perspective that actually influences the way that you play the games that you're going to wind up playing. And I think in most of the coverage that we've seen, it's been a lot about the minutia and a little bit of the navel gazing that goes along with that. And it hasn't been a lot of the conversation about like, so what does this mean for you at home as a player? So that's kind of where I'm at is it's, it's nice to have all this background information. It's nice to see how folks are fussing at each other behind the scenes via email, which is nice to see corporate folks get mad at each other. But at, at the, at the grand scheme, what does this mean for everybody at home? And I think that's where we need to kind of pull some of that information back in. You, well, I'll put you on the spot real quick because we talked about this. We went around the table on this yeah. last week. What is the one, give me like one game, whether it's something from the Activision Blizzard vault that's maybe been gathering dust. Give me some game, you know, to, to really bring it down to what we care about, which is video games that you're hoping comes out of this. Oh, I mean, to be fair, to be really honest, I was hoping that Microsoft would kind of be play a little hardball with with Call of Duty and they're not going to. Uh, you know, it would have been it would have been the actual power move that I would have seen them be able to do that would have actually disrupted a lot of the, you know, we're in third place conversations because that bubbles it up into another space where you're saying, well, look, we have one of the biggest games on the planet that you are going to have to engage with the Microsoft ecosystem in some way to be able to to play. And, they, you know, I understand the reasonings behind what, what Phil shared and a lot of folks in the team had shared in, in a lot of those hearings. And again, it makes sense from a public persona perspective to be able to say, look, we want everyone to be able to play everywhere. It's been a part of their mantra. It's been a part of their branding and their marketing for a long period of time. So it leans towards exactly the way they've been messaging things. But it would have been a really interesting moment in gaming history to see that big of a game then go exclusive to one platform in a way that we have not really seen happen in, in a lot of different ways. We're not talking about DLC. We're not talking about timed exclusives. We're talking about, no, we're actually going to take this huge game that spends, that gets pulls in billions of dollars every year and say, this is the only place you can play. So they didn't play that card and, and, and that's fine, but that would have been the, the game that really would have said, oh, wow, this is a monumental shift in the way that the industry has changed. 
and they are making and playing with real power moves in a way that is much bigger than we expected. Can we dive? Yeah. I mean, that, well, that wait, certainly wait, wait. would have been. Go ahead, Destin. I please. really want to dive into that with you, Khalid, yeah. because uh, in hindsight, that was sort of my first reaction. Like, oh, they're going to make Call of Duty exclusive. Having right. followed the cases as you, I imagine you have. Do you understand now that everything's come out? Why they won't do that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's 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 multiple layers of it. It is it is the financials that make a lot more sense if you spread it out in that way. It is the the, the public sentiment of the backlash that you would get, which I think Phil spoke really really profoundly and smartly too. Because again, it is a what are we doing to the space conversation? Are we disrupting it for the sake of disruption alone, or are we are we leaning into a business practice that is going to give us an advantage in the in the grand scheme. And I think the public hit that you wind up getting from that potential pulling of that big asset away from other parts of the ecosystem winds up being more trouble than it's worth for you having to deal with on the communication side and the, and the marketing side and the publicity side that you have to deal with. So I think, you know, keeping it, uh, you know, level across that space and then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the 10-year deal a little bit later, but all of that then still continues to build goodwill to an audience that if they're paying attention and understanding it, we'll be able to see that and be able to kind of understand why you would do that as opposed to just pulling it away. So unless there's some other pieces of, of info in that mix that I'm missing besides no. the kind of public sentiment layer. No, no, you, you nailed it. And the re the reason I push you on it is because I'm sort of curious if like, I don't think they should have made it exclusive. Once we saw the math and the data and the public sentiment, I like this reality that we're working towards. Uh, yeah. much more than, oh, Call of Duty is only on Xbox, right? Because now it's going to be on Switch or there'll be some version of Call of Duty on Switch. It's going to be on all these cloud streaming services. And, you know, the EU and the, the CMA say what you will about their decisions, but I do think that people are very quick to write off cloud, but I mm -hmm. do think that someday the world could be utilizing cloud much more often. I, I have a Samsung piece I've been working on forever and Sam with with uh, the Call of Duty streaming that goes right to a television. You sync your controller and you're playing games on your TV. That's what we're working towards. So all these people that are worried about this con the console market winning, and you got to remember Xbox's whole strategy isn't just about the box. It's about the box and PC and cloud. Mm -hmm. Granted, cloud is a lost leader right now, there is potentially a future where everybody just syncs their controller to a TV. And this whole console war thing, it's just going to sort of fade away. It'll be more of a platform war. And, and to double down on that really quickly, you've seen with some activations that have been done directly with Samsung and their gaming hub, mm -hmm. you know, them also pulling in King, which will also give them a potential avenue to, to think about the, the broader audience that's mostly on mobile across, across the, the world. I think there's a lot of different layers to why this makes more sense in the, in the you know, in, in the post-mort of, of why you want to be able to kind of keep this in the space where everyone can play that it just gives you more affinity and more spaces to be able to do that work if you're not, like you talked about, focusing just on console, which they are not. Yeah, and good. just final note to back you up, the console market isn't growing. It's rather right. stagnant. Like, right. you kind of hit this point with your amount of console sales, and that's what you're going to get to every generation. And the whole reason in the internal documentation that Microsoft went after Activision is because of mobile. It is not because of bringing Call of Duty exclusive or whatever. Mobile is growing at a ridiculously fast rate. 
It's widely documented that that's the case. But us as gamers, we write it off because we'd rather talk mm. about PlayStation versus Xbox. And Xbox is playing a different game. I've said that for the last two years. They're not playing the same game as Sony. Sony's yeah, playing catch I mean, up. While while <clears throat> I'm I'm I I hear you, Cod. That uh, if <laughs> if Microsoft had come in and been able to get through all the regulation uh, and get all the approvals and come in and actually made Call of Duty platform exclusive. I mean, that would have been the ultimate just walking into the room and flipping the table upside down <laughs> and and just like, you know, screaming at everybody and saying, let's go. You know, that that would have just been one of the most insane moments in the history of the video game industry. But but yeah, like as we've learned, as you and you guys have just been talking about over the course of this trial, it's become abundantly clear how big the mobile piece of this is. Yes, cloud there as well, Destin, you know, it's wise very mention, small right now, but yeah. Yeah, that it's that it's, you know, still in its infancy. But uh, Activision Blizzard put out its financials today, and I've, I've just got our IGN article up right now. So Call of Duty as a as a brand, as an entire thing across all platforms, 90 million, that's nine zero, 90 million monthly players hmm. with half of those on mobile half of all engagement Mm -hmm. is happening on mobile so and it's going to get bigger it's it's wild you know just how much i mean that's that's what microsoft is getting and that's what they've been you know that's been the gap in their portfolio as it were and so that's really what what kind of this is most i mean playstation's significant obviously you want to keep making you know the, the the money off of 70 dollar copies sold you know tens of millions of copies a year sold on on the PlayStation platform but yeah you're talking mobile being a, a huge piece of this that as Destin correctly notes is only growing so yeah this is uh this is just a it is one of the most seismic events even even with without making Call of Duty a platform exclusive this is still one of the most uh high, most high impact you know, Richter scale rocking events in the history of the industry. But uh, yeah, it's it's really going to be fascinating to see how all this shakes out. Now, as we've alluded to a couple times here, uh, the deal, the 10 year deal that, that <laughs> Sony that's that Phil slid over to the table to Jim Ryan at the beginning of this and said, we're willing to keep it, keep everything status quo. Keep it all good for you for 10 years. Sign it. <laughs> he did not sign it. Instead, he, you know, Jim Ryan almost was almost successful in in scuttling this entire thing through the courts, through the regulatory agencies. But Jim Ryan's efforts have ultimately failed. And now uh, he is left with no leverage and has signed that binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on the PlayStation after its acquisition of Activision Blizzard. However, Destin, the deal's not quite as good as the original deal, is it? Uh, no. What what was lost? <laughs> uh, what did I miss, Ryan? There was here. I'll I'll read I'll read it to you. So, um, Phil Phil took to Twitter to said, we are pleased to announce that Microsoft and PlayStation have signed a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation following the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. We look forward to a future where players globally have more choice to play their favorite games. And then a follow up from The Verge, the head of global communications at Xbox, Carrie Perez, shared with them confirming that the deal is just for Call of Duty 
and not for any other Activision Blizzard games, okay. which, uh, as we know, I, the, the, the other cloud agreements, the other agreements, the 10-year deals that Microsoft has signed have, uh, have in some cases included some of the other stuff. So it's now uh, PlayStation is guaranteed nothing except for Call of Duty. Well, here's, here's what they're probably doing, because they've publicly said that they have every plan to bring Activision titles to PlayStation, like Diablo in the future would still come to PlayStation. But now Jim's got to come back to the table, right? Every time. You want to play hardball? You want to put us through this... $4.5 billion litigation mess that we've been in for the last year. Okay, you can have Call of Duty. We'll renegotiate every single Activision game that ever comes to PlayStation in the future. Jim Ryan was trying to use the Call of Duty deal as leverage to get the Bethesda games back. Bill said, nah, we're good. <laughs> like you want us you want to block things from coming to game pass you want to take final fantasy away from our user base you want to like try and get make it so that companies can't release their games on xbox no we're keeping the bethesda games you tried to take starfield away activision almost brought call of duty over to playstation exclusively because you know microsoft was getting hammered so hard by sony that they had a smaller player base activision was extracting less revenue from them because of the the plays that playstation is playstation has been making and now here we are they they have the thing and a lot of people criticize this merger just from an industry perspective and i just want to chime in on that it makes more financial sense for microsoft to buy the company for 70 billion than pay three or four billion dollars every year in for the next 10 years right just to lock up exclusivity rights for call of duty things what yeah. makes more sense have playstation pay you seven billion dollars a year or pay activision three or four billion dollars a year as we discovered from the internal playstation documents financially buying the publisher makes sense and, and that's one thing that I think people don't consider when thinking about these merchants. They're like, oh, PlayStation didn't buy any publishers. They can't. They don't have the market capital to do so. And what, what they've been doing with their money, it's very smart from a business perspective, sure. regardless of how I feel about it personally. But what they're doing is trying to crush Xbox's ability to compete. So... They said, okay, we're going to buy Bethesda. Okay, we're going to buy Activision. Uh, is there? Is it fair to kind of imagine uh, that, that, it's, that Sony has, through their own aggressively competitive moves, again, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, that they have cost themselves uh, Starfield, they've cost themselves... The Elder Scrolls franchise, they've cost themselves the Doom franchise or whatever its software is going to do next. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, I, I wonder if in 10, 20 years from now, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Will, will Sony come to have regret any of their aggressive deal making tactics? Well, I guess it really depends on what the output is from the studios that got bought up, right? Like if 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 Activision, Blizzard, King start to make games that don't really resonate with that audience, 
or with audiences across the board, since a lot of those games will then continue to be on multiple platforms, the ones that don't go exclusive to Xbox. That's when we can have like the the the, the armchair quarterback version of what that's going to look like. I think that that's a part of that conversation that I am now thinking about a ton, which is <clears throat> for as much as the folks have been kind of, you know, worrying about the monopoly version of what this is going to be from, you know, there being a, an actual monopoly here from the Xbox side of things, which I think from a business perspective, from a, from a cultural perspective, from a, from a industry leading perspective, that's a reasonable, valid conversation to have that we won't have today. But I do think speaking to what Destin talked about from a business perspective, this does nothing which makes sense for them. Like, again, if you'd listened, if you've read all the deposition that was there from Phil and from the other folks, we are in third place. We are behind. You know, he spoke a lot of truth in a lot of those moments when he was testifying about where the brand is from a, from a financial perspective and where it is from a kind of cultural relevancy perspective. Two of those things are actually combined there. Like, if you think about all of these things that Jim Ryan has done to try to figure out how to kind of squash Xbox's ability to, to move... It does really bring to the forefront the thing that was shared within those depositions that he said, which was, if this deal goes through, we'll still be fine. And that message is, thing, is one that really resonates with me, because then if that was the case, then was that a flip in, in sentiment once you saw that you weren't going to be able to get your deal in? Right. Or was that a thing that you were thinking about all along and decided that this was going to be the nail in the coffin for the uh, competition, and because you weren't able to get there, now you're kind of doing a little bit of a backpedal? If I'm a PlayStation fan, I'm still excited because the head of our company and the head of our kind of movement has said, even if this happens, we still have enough games that are going to be able to be satisfactory for you to be able to play. We'll so be I think okay. It, we'll be more than okay. It's cool. right. Like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. That's like, you know, you got caught and then you, you're like, yeah, I got to say that out loud. But it's also like, if that's true and is that, and that is the actual way that the company feels then as a PlayStation fan, I should be ecstatic about what the future potentially is going to look like. Again, if you look at that last, um, you know, not state of, not state of play, but that last kind of conference the that showcase, they did, yeah. the showcase, there were some games in there that are, that are going to be potential bangers within that space. So the, you know, you should be feeling good about that. So it does bring again, that, that circle and that question around us. So like, so what was this for? What, you know, if you felt like this was a good positioning, you felt like you had you're on the upper foot and you knew you have the same information that the Xbox folks had about where your place is in terms of, you know, what they're selling versus what you're selling. Then all of this just feels like this was much ado about nothing. Like this was just a, a, a peacocking moment for the ability to say that we could potentially get this. And this would be the feather in our cap in a way that doesn't really make sense if you look at the totality of the conversation. So. You know, we'll see down the line of, of, of if this actually played itself into a good position for them. But it does leave a smear on his legacy for right now that speaks to how that is kind of being thought about from a management position. What does this mean for PlayStation moving forward? And it would raise the scrutiny levels of the games that wind up coming out now if they see this track record of things that are not really selling well or having a lot of resonance with players within that space. I mean, for me, the PlayStation is going to be Sony's going to be just fine as long as they continue to do the thing that they've been doing so masterfully for the last 10 plus years now, which is pump out awesome first party games yep. like forget about Call of Duty entirely, even if they had lost Call of Duty entirely, which they have not. They're going to continue to enjoy a lot of deserved success if they keep 
their first party output at the at the quality level that it has been in a remarkably consistent way. I mean, there have been a few misses here and there, but their their hit rate is pretty astounding. If they keep that up for the next, you know, decade, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. Like the the only thing I could think of that was a potential miss within that kind of larger conversation of games that are single player based, narrative based was maybe Days Gone, but Days even Gone, that game yeah. but even that game has like had a eight. little bit of a <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, and like you go back. No, I mean, like the initial the... launch problems were corrected, and then after that, like mostly it's been praised. Yeah, yes. exactly. Like they've had a resurgence with that game to a, to to a certain extent. Like you know, and and weirdly enough, the resurgence that came across for that game was when they put it on PC. Like that's that was true. when that game decided. That's, that's when that game got a lot of its legs. When they did a thing that every. Sony fanboy was like, we don't want our games on PC. We just want it on console. That's where that game did a lot of its work and got a lot of its money back and got a lot of its praise because of all the things that wind up happening on that side of the fence. So it, it will be an interesting layer of what that means. I mean, I will say I, in a lot, I see a lot of the, the sort of, and I think a lot of it's expressed in kind of a fanboy way. But if you look at like the heart of what some people are, are saying is that they're concerned about like a monopolistic type situation with, with yeah. Microsoft that they control too much. And I, I do think that there's validity to that, but I think the, what makes me feel totally okay about this deal as a consumer, mm -hmm. as you know, again, I've got every console back there, you know, I'm not, I, I do an Xbox show. I Xbox is my number one, but I play on everything. But what makes me feel okay about Microsoft owning Activision, Blizzard and King is that something I've talked about on this podcast before, which is that from a culture perspective in terms of taking care of the employees that work for you uh, and uh, on the on the sort of consumer side of things, making sure the games are available to a lot of people like it's been unequivocally proven with with signed legal agreements and in court testimony that Microsoft is going to be actually putting Activision Blizzard's games on more platforms than they were before once they get control. And then on the the sort of the, the culture side of it, this is not the Microsoft of of 2000, you know, 6 that would acquire something and just digest it and and only waste would come out, you know, and and the studio would would dissolve and and be left for dead it'd just be you know like Lionhead, as is, is always the first example i think of this microsoft has talked the talk on hiring for uh diversity inclusion they have walked the walk on that they have they have talked the talk and walked the walk on on uh having you know healthy cultures in terms of avoiding crunch and making sure your employees are are well cared for and so uh, we talked about this extensively Kyle, last week, so I won't I won't get into it again. But I just think that this is such a this this is going to be a transformative situation again, not right away, but over time for the tens of thousands of people that work at Activision Blizzard King that have that have worked under pretty shitty situations. Like I think it's fair to say that, and I I think the it's fair yeah. because. The state of California 
has sued Activision Blizzard for their workplace practices. And, mm-hmm. you know, you there's there's all there's all the stories about Kodak and the and the leadership team. And and so this this is the, the sort of the changing of the guard here uh, to Microsoft, specifically a company that has consistently had employees that want to stick around for 10, 15, 20 years and a company that, as Destin noted last week, has uh, a lot of positive comments on places like Glassdoor and other and other uh, places that evaluate and are, and are sort of you know uh, places where you can go to get a, a, a peek into workplace culture. So that's if this were if if Microsoft were just this soulless monolith, I would be a lot more concerned about about the the sort of about the, the about any sort of monopolistic concern, but. At least this version of Microsoft that's led by Satya Nadella and Phil Spencer on the Xbox brand, I'm not worried about that. Now, you can make the argument that those people won't always be there, that one day Satya is going to be gone, Phil's going to be gone, and that you know if the next regime comes in, things could be really different. That is fair. But for the time being and for the foreseeable future, I think Activision Blizzard King is in better hands, both in terms of the employees there and in terms of the products that they're going to del- deliver to us, the customers. Yep. Agreed, agreed on all those points. I think, you know, once, once that changeover happens, we'll hopefully potentially see Sarah Bond take that spot. I think she, she's kind of in line in terms of the way I think of the way things are moving in that, in that space. And yeah, I, I think if, it also kind of bubbles up another conversation for later that we'll probably have about like, a lot of this work that's being done with these conversations around the FTC and around the way the Xbox is kind of handling this and the monopolies and all those things and the layer of what PlayStation has kind of brought to the argument, it does really, again, give you this contrast about the ways that both companies are sharing information to their fan bases. It still feels very much so that, like, even if you don't like the way things are moving, you have people to look towards from that Xbox uh, management and, and, and higher up layers to be able to go to and say, well, we're going to try to hold your feet to the fire with that kind of a conversation. Even with Jim saying these things publicly or not publicly being kind of pulled out of deposition from, you know, conversations there, that company is still very faceless in the way that you think about what they do from a, from a public persona perspective, which I think is a, is a negative for them uh, over the long haul of like, when you see these conversations happen, you don't have a person to go to to say like, these are the ways that we're thinking to adjust this or fix this or mitigate this or what does this mean for you as a player on our on our console and on in our ecosystem of how this is going to affect you. You don't have that messaging that happens on the other side. And I think if we think about the long tail of what this means, that is a potential bigger problem for what this is going to be as opposed to what this initial conversation is that got pulled out from the uh, depositions. Yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, there's another piece to go over before we move on to the other big story this week that's not, thankfully, not FTC related <laughs> at all. Uh, Destin, uh, we learned a little bit about Microsoft's thinking behind the exclusivity that they are now going to employ on uh, specifically Indiana Jones. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's from 
like day two or three of the FTC hearing, we discovered that Indiana Jones is going to be an Xbox exclusive title. They had to go back to the studios and have that conversation with them about making that game exclusive, which to, to Lucasfilm specifically, to, to Lucas right? the Film. license holder. Yeah, which to me indicates that it is single player. I don't think there's going to be a multiplayer component because otherwise I imagine Microsoft would have kept that multiple platforms based on their strategies for other titles. So uh, I, I find that really interesting. Um, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, they uh, so the, they basically, the, the, Tim Stewart, the uh, CTO, sorry, CFO, pardon me, uh, his testimony stated that, that Microsoft had forecasted more than 10 million sales on PlayStation for both Starfield and Indiana Jones before it decided to make both games exclusive to Xbox, but they believe that they will be able to make that up by virtue of additional console sales and Game Pass subscriptions. So it's kind of kind of interesting to, to read how they're actually thinking of it. Although, Kyle, when I think about it, isn't that just sort of the <laughs> core of really any exclusive is that you hope that... that, that the the sales you lose by not putting it on multiple platforms are made up by more people coming over in and in, into your tent and spending money. Yeah, it's 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 the usual bit. It's the usual way that business works when you think about exclusives in that way. I the thing I'm actually curious to to, to figure out, and I wish that we had some insight on was the latest Indiana Jones movie did not do that well. I wonder if the adjustments to what those numbers would be from a financial perspective uh, forecasting would look like now, seeing as how the cultural relevancy of Indiana Jones is probably a lot less than what was expected from the initial kind of conversations when they made that made that deal. I, I wonder how that kind of looks now. Uh, if you ask any 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 you know folks who are younger than us in a real way. Hey, do you remember Indiana Jones? They're like, nope. <laughs> oh, you mean the terrible Crystal Skull movie from 15 years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, that movie is highly problematic. Do you not understand what's happening in the way that this game plays? So, I do wonder how that kind of resonates with fans in 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 that way. But it is interesting to see that they are thinking about this game as being potentially a tentpole that they want to, you know, yeah. plant a flag on to say we do we do want this game to do extremely well on our platform and. It is interesting to see the way they're forecasting that to play on potentially what it was going to be for both. Um, yeah, all those layers are just going to be fascinating to see what happens when that game actually gets announced and we get a chance to see it. I know, I just want to see it. Just yeah. please show it to me. I know we just had a showcase, so it's going to be a while probably. Like Maybe the Game Awards would probably be the next most logical opportunity for us to possibly see that game. Harrison Ford's going to look, he's going to be so mad being on that stage. He's going to be pissed. Oh, he won't be there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he wouldn't show up. He's like, hell no, I'm not going to be here for this. I'm Harrison Ford. Do you know who I am? Anyway. I mean, I'm sure Jeff Keighley will call, will call yeah. his agent and say, Hey, yeah. can you come out and, uh, and show, you know, introduce the, the Indiana Jones game trailer. And they'll be like, can I land my plane on the stage with that? Can I, that, then I'll say yes. He loves oh to fly. If you didn't, uh, he, he's, he's crashed and survived at least once, oh um, which is one more time than I've flown on my own and <laughs> at all. So it's, uh, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to look down on the guy. Cause it's, nope. whew, yeah, I, I, I don't even have the guts to get in a plane by myself. Um, <laughs> 
Yes. And that's an interesting point, though. I hadn't even really thought about the the disappoint the general now uh, sort of public sentiment and also box office disappointment yeah. of uh, of the Dial of Destiny. I I liked it. My wife and I went, and I I enjoyed it. I mean, I it's not in the same league as the original three, but sure. I had, I had fun with it. But yeah, yeah, it definitely has not done well uh, with with moviegoers at the box office. So game awards makes a lot of sense though, Ryan, because it'll be separated enough from the negative sentiment of the movie. And if the game's good, Mm -hmm. people forget that like they won't care. The game has to be good though. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's machine games. So the the track record suggests it's going to be good. It's It's also like uh, the dream game from, I don't remember who, who was pitching it, but yeah, yeah. it's Todd Howard. He's executive producing. And yeah, Yeah. he said he's right. He's been wanting to make this game for like 10 years and yeah. finally has the opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Speaking of Game Pass and our old friend Xbox Live Gold, Destin, we're, we yeah. said goodbye to one legend this week in the form <laughs> of Larry Herb. We're saying goodbye to another one. Tell us about this. It. This one's weird. So Xbox Live Gold is going away and they're replacing it with Xbox Game Pass Core. Now on paper, it seems good, but when you start looking at the online requirements and what PC Game Pass is getting versus what Game Pass Core is getting, it's a little strange. So here's how it breaks. I'm just going to read what Ryan has written here. Xbox Game Pass Core takes its place, giving you online multiplayer and a smattering of games you can play for either $10 per month or $60 per year, AKA $5 per month. Uh, that's the same price as, well, wait a minute. How do you get $5 per month? If you pay the yearly? Yeah. If you do, if you're doing the annual for 60 bucks, you got 12 months, five bucks a month. So it's, you're, you're at the, you're at 60 instead of 120. It's half price. If you do the annual sub, which is the same price as live gold was. So clearly like, the, the monthly option is is not the way to go at all. So you want to do the, you want to do the annual on this if you're going to do it. Core is nine ninety nine a month. Console is ten ninety nine a month. PC is nine ninety nine a month. And Ultimate is sixteen ninety nine a month. Uh, what's interesting is you get twenty five games just for the nine ninety nine a month. No more games with gold, but you're going to get Among Us, Descenders, Dishonor Two, Doom Eternal, Fable Anniversary, Fallout Four, Fallout Seventy Six, Forza Horizon Four, Gears Five, Grounded, Halo Five, Halo Wars Two, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, Human Fall Flat, Inside, Ori, Psychonauts Two, State of Decay, and Elder Scrolls Online: Tamriel Unlimited. But if you get PC Game Pass Core, you also get EA Play. And you get all this for the $9.99 price point. Plus you get EA Play and access to 100 games and access to day one. Like they're really making up for the fact that PC Game Pass has been a little lacking. But console players are like, yo, what? (laughs) People are a little upset about that asset. It's it's confusing. Like the the new layout's confusing. And you yeah. you do so you you kind of alluded to it there. You do not get day one first party games for the nine ninety nine with this core. Yeah, got to pay that with extra t- dollar. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go yeah. one more dollar. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ka, this. What do you make of this? To, to me, this is a this is a clearly a push to get everybody to to try and go to ultimate for that seventeen. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is that. And, and again, I think the biggest, you know, thing that, that, that people are mad about and Destin kind of alluded to it was the, oh, so console players have to pay a certain amount of money just to play online as opposed to the PC crowd. And that's been a big conversation that has been in the ether for a long time. And you would have thought that when they kind of rolled this out, that they would have either grandfathered those folks into a layer that would just be that. And you would just automatically have that, especially folks who have been you know, very loyal to the service in, in, in so long. Like I, I can't remember the last time I looked at a games with gold game to say like, I'm going to download that to pull that into my, into my library. But I am on the uh, ultimate tier currently because of that EA play layer, I can play Madden. I can play FIFA. I can get those things either at a discounted rate or be able to play them, you know, day one with some of that stuff. It just feels like, it feels like an infrastructure tax that that, that hasn't yeah. been told to people, right? And and I think like that is the part of the conversation that I want. I would actually really love to hear someone speak to from the console Xbox layer of that, from that layer, and honestly from the folks who are really on on the PC side of like, is this just a a, a, a fake paywall that we're that we're buying into? Is there actually a, a an infrastructure layer to this, which we all know you have to pay for these online services somehow? But I would love to hear as a conversation piece, as a data point, to be able to kind of, you know, you know, fill that gap for the player of what is this actually doing? What is this actually here for? So I think, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they potentially rejigger this, because I think the uproar about the online multiplayer stuff, especially if you're in between that core and, and the, the next layer up uh, and in between. Uh, what does that mean for you and, and how they're going to kind of rectify this? Because the, the messaging is bad. <laughs> yeah, if, in the ways that that works. If you only play on PC, just get the PC one. Don't get Ultimate. There's not right. really a reason to do that unless you also want to have access on your console and cloud, right? right? But if you're not interested in console, you're not interested in cloud, and you just play on PC, there's no reason to upgrade from what I can see above the $9.99 a month. So, and it and it feels bad if you're a console player. It feels like you're you're having to pay more to get the same thing that PC people get at nine ninety nine, it's it's strange. It's strange. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, if it's so compared to when Game Pass, the base basic Game Pass was ten bucks a month, this is a downgrade. Mm. But that's because that now costs eleven bucks a month. But provided you do the annual subscription for Core, it is better than the Xbox Live Gold. That, that it replaces because we've all said a million times, basically on a monthly basis, that Games with Gold has long since run its course. So instead of getting three games you probably don't care about, three to four games that you probably don't care about every month, you've got uh, these 25 plus. Microsoft said it will announce more core games ahead of September 14th and that new games will be added two to three times per year. So... It's it's better than gold and games with gold, but not as good as the thing that was just ten dollars a month ago. It's kind of just like you said, it's it's confusing in that way. And and yeah, Destin, I think you said it brilliantly on the PC side. Uh, the, the ten bucks a month is the way to go there. Um. So, yeah, this is I miss it could have been messaged better. Like, did they yeah. add that? Did they edit this? <laughs> so it's, it's why? So it's ten a month. You can pay one hundred and twenty a year. You can pay sixty. What exactly? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I guess not everybody can can do the sixty at once, so they offer the ten a month option. But yeah, that that quickly comes back to bite you if you if you go that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, maybe some some <laughs> fine tuning still needed on this, but it, it is still it is the end of I guess to just make it. I think it leaks a little sentimental for a second. Yeah. Just, Games with gold, or just, excuse me, not games with gold. Xbox Live Gold is now gone. Um, I know I used to, I don't know if it's even still, you know, used to have, used to get the, you had the badge where it, it was said how many years you've been a subscriber. And, you know, I mean, I'm in that group that was in there since technically before day one in the beta. So mine was up to whatever it was, 21, I guess it, it must have been. Uh, it might still be, but. Uh, unless until they until they actually get rid of it, but yeah, Xbox Live Gold is uh, boy that it was, it was quite a journey, you know. That we <laughs> from I mean, when it first started, it was there was it was head and shoulders above anything else. Like even PC, I would argue, which didn't have a monthly cost to, mm-hmm. but there was also no centralized service on PC. You know, you just had. You jump into Battlefield 1942 and have a have a server browser. And then if you wanted to play with your friends, you'd have to like all there was no discord. You you had to all. And there were also there was also basically no text messaging at that point either. You had to there, there was it right. Like, yeah, back in 2000 like, Trillo. Yeah. At that point I, was was in the space. You, you would have had to. Yeah. Like send send a. Uh, a carrier pigeon or something to all your friends to tell them which server that you all wanted to join to play a game together. So yeah, gold was just so cool in the beginning where, all right, yeah, you were paying five bucks a month for the, for the, actually, I guess it was, it was 50 bucks a year in the beginning, not 60. So you're paying less than five bucks a month, Mm -hmm. but you were getting this way where you could play with your friends. You could see them when they were online uh, although technically live aware, which is what seeing your friends online oh, right. was originally called, didn't come in until a little later. But yeah, you could you could easily link up with your friends and play games online. And it was all over high speed connections, no dial up modems allowed. Mm-hmm. And so you all had a, a good experience. Of course, the voice chat built in and and universal across the board. So, you know, I, I will always have if when you when you just say if you say Xbox Live Gold. I'm going to associate that with good memories. Are you in that boat too, Khalif? Oh yeah, that was that was. Whenever I think of those memories of what that were, what that was, there were two things that bubble up: is getting on the Geometry Wars leaderboards in a real way, yeah, and one versus one hundred. Oh yeah. yes, one versus one hundred to this day has still not been replicated in a way that it should be with all the technology that we have to be able to do this stuff now. Uh, and it's like of that of that of that era i want that to come back if we could figure out some way to do some crowdfunded mass you know mass uh player kind of competition kind of stuff like man that was such a great moment within the gaming space and then of course the last but not least was the net wa- ne- uh, netflix watch party stuff that they had built in was was a really monumental moment oh yeah in that space too ryan's gonna play um, a game really quick no i'm trying to find <laughs> ryan's to find gotta my, level uh... <laughs> My achievements. Nerf sorcerer. Uh, <laughs> Don't pop up any embargoed games right there. You got to filter out. 
Uh, yeah, there aren't any on here right now. <laughs> smart, um, smart, smart. But but yeah, like those moments are the ones that I think about in a in a real way of like, wow, that was a really pivotal point within the, the video game space of like not having to have a funky weird modem that was connected to your to your to your piece of hardware like I did with the Dreamcast or you know with oh, any yeah. of the other kind of old PS two. You used to have to screw it in. Right? I think you like, had, you, did you need the hard drive? I don't remember. You needed the hard drive, I think, and it was like you could get it. You could get that piece. Uh, bundled with SOCOM. I got it with Final like, Fantasy. So I got Final oh. Fantasy 11 for the PS2 and I got, I think it came with the modem and the hard drive. Yep. And then I would put all that together and I played Final Fantasy 11 to start on PS2 and then eventually mm-hmm. I would build a computer and play it on that. <laughs> oh. I'm yeah, not, it was such a I, great time. Where are, is there a centralized location for it? That shows all your achievements. Is that still a thing? Hit, hit the jewel. Anymore. Go to the the alerts. So go oh, down well. to the bell. Yeah, it's up there well, somewhere. All right, I'll see it. Oh, here we go. But that's just this <laughs> game. Oh, here we go. All of, this. That's just Diablo, I think. <laughs> Uh, for, oh, no, for the folks who, for the folks listening in audio, yeah, form. Ryan is scrolling through <laughs> his achievement list. I'm dragging the show to a screeching yeah. halt. <laughs> so show us gone. that he he got an achievement at some point 30 years ago in one versus yeah. 100. Uh, it's very compelling. Uh, well, anyway, I was gonna show. Just go to the, I, go to your profile pro- on Xbox.com. I know that would be the, but I can't show that <laughs> okay. easily on the screen. Okay. But anyway. Um, Oh, that's great. The uh, what I was going to show was that my proudest achievements, for real, is that I have all 12, 12 out of twelve <laughs> achievements in one versus one hundred. Uh, you have a you, child, you, of course. You can't get them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Achievement, as in the okay, Xbox just thing, making Justin. Sure. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Should I start reading your slacks from earlier today? For you were you were oh. trying to burn me, but failing spectacularly. No, no. Well, what did I say? I don't think I was trying to burn you. <laughs> uh, hold on, I, I was can burning see I can Alex. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Anyway. Um, oh. oh yeah, Destin was saying we were, we were trying to figure out who's going to write our our Xbox column for this week, uh-huh. and and Destin said, uh, "I feel like Ryan hasn't brought up summer games for the oh, last yeah. hour, so this is a good chance to." <laughs> and so he didn't even remember that it's, it's summer of arcade, Destin. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's get the show back on track here. Because oh, uh, although we are, we're actually we're not on a clock since we're not. This is like a, an unofficial episode. We don't have to. No, I was just. To, I was gonna point out. I'm like, there's no like OTT requirement. Or yeah. Whatever. So. Gotcha. Uh, all right, let's just do this last story, and then we'll do a trivia question and get out of here because uh, we have been talking for a while. Uh, so Microsoft, uh, while we're this basically this whole episode is uh is basically about the services it's like a whole we don't really have any games to talk about this week i mean i guess we we'll see if we have a minute to talk about another leak on call of duty 2023 uh or i guess excuse me this is 20 is this 20 says 2024 24 sorry this is next year's game all right anyway um i've i had it in my head that it was this i'm scared this whole thing's gonna fall apart so (laughs) because i'm recording it with yeah yeah yeah, we're we're held together by by toothpicks and and scotch tape, I guess. But 
Uh, all right, so Microsoft will soon conclude the Xbox Game Pass friends and family plan testing that they've been doing. Oh. A Microsoft spokesperson confirmed to IGN via email that the company will end the Xbox Game Pass friends and family preview on August 15th, so less than a month from now. Quote, we're excited about how the friends and family plan has resonated with gamers and we'll be evaluating the learnings to help create an offer that we can bring to more players worldwide in the future, Microsoft said in a statement. Uh, to thank those who participated in the preview, which I believe was in, uh, yeah, Colombia and Ireland were the two the two territories that were able to, to check that out. To thank those who participated, uh, those participants will receive an active Game Pass, oh, that have an Xbox Game Pass subscription actively, will receive an Xbox Game Pass offer as a thank you gift, presumably some kind of discount. Uh, plans of a subscription tier for Game Pass that allowed you to share it with multiple people have been heavily rumored, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, Destin, do you think, do you believe Microsoft that they are going to come out with some version of this, or do you think that the recent reshuffling with Core and well, everything we were just talking about, do you think this is going to not come back? So which, which did, way do you lean right now? Well, did they say that they were going to bring it back? They did not. They said, you know, they just said, uh, we'll be evaluating the learnings no, to help done. create an offer that we can bring <laughs> to more players. So no, they kept it if they didn't vague. commit to it, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Phil doesn't mince words. Their PR team doesn't mince words. They're just like, yeah, we tried it out, but uh, we kind of just bought this company for $70 billion and we're in a recession. So uh, not right now. Yeah, no, I, I think it. I think they tried it. Then it's not going to happen. They just announced core. I think core is the pivot and that's just, that's what they're going to do. You will agree, Khalif or, or is, uh, or is Destin off his rocker, which wouldn't <laughs> no, be the first I, time. I think Destin is, is totally on his rocker. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think, I think, yeah, with, with all the, the market confusion that they've already added to the mix, the last thing they need to do is announce another pricing tier for another part of a service that they're still trying to iron out publicly. Like, I think it would be interesting again to see if they were able to get this across the finish line and have this be a thing. But now where do you even price that? That's not going to get people really, really mad at you. You know what right. I mean? You you can't go above ultimate. And if well, you try I to mean, go. Yeah, you. It, I think it was 20. I believe it was 22 euros, I think, mm. uh, in or I guess would it be pounds? I guess it's Ireland. Um, yeah, I believe it was. We. I know we talked about this on the podcast at the time. Yeah. I think it was. Whatever the local currency equivalent of of like twenty one or twenty two U.S. dollars. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to price it above ultimate, which would make ultimate ultimate ultimate. <laughs> At that point, if you're adding that layer of it and messing that out, like Dustin said, they're they're, they're probably going to kill us in the water and, and figure something else out that'll help you know players want to kind of cross cross pollinate those accounts so that multiple people can play within your house. What I'm curious of, what I would like to learn more <laughs> of on this is the details of what those learnings were. And what I mean by that, I'm not trying to like pry into their literal business, but I guess we're, what I'm trying to get at is did did the in the in these test markets, did uh, did did people use like the, when they signed up for it? Did they use it? Did they actually share it with whatever it was, like four or five other people? And did those four or five other people really use the service? Like, did they see the engagement that they wanted out of this tier? 
And if they're if if both of you, uh, or at least the gut feelings that both of you have are correct, and that and that we don't see this rolled out worldwide, or at least not in anything close to this form, what what is the reason for that? I would I guess is is where I'm landing here is I'd be I'd be eager to learn someday on the record or off, but preferably on so that we can talk about it on the podcast is, yeah, what what were those learnings and were were people abusing it? Like, were they like, oh, wow, no, people are we're like losing money on this because people are sharing it with like all their, you know, just friends on Discord that are so that it's like we're not making any money on this. So I'd be kind of I just wonder which side of the of the of the uh, equation it's landing on. You know what I'm saying? Like, um because I, I could see it going either way. Like it, maybe it's been, and maybe it was completely abused like, in the worst possible way. With like <laughs> your your, so. your five most, you shared it with your you know five most hardcore gamer friends, or the opposite, you share it with five friends and and four of those friends don't even use it. So you know why are we even offering this? But I I bet they discovered some instances of that. I don't think it was like a widespread rampant thing. Uh, I'm willing to bet people with kids, they probably used it a lot. Like yeah. Dad plays it at night and the kids are doing their Minecraft thing. They probably used it quite often. So they probably got some interesting data, but long story short, they have too many things going on right now. And PR wise, I'm willing to bet that they want to put this one on ice. Will they iron out core and, Cause like core was leaked. So I think they rushed the core announcement out without vetting it appropriately. Mm. It just, it just feels like there's stuff that's not in the boxes that should be like the first box at nine 99 has online multiplayer. The next box doesn't have online multiplayer. So people are like, wait, do I get online multiplayer for 1099? Like what has happened? Like, do I have to get ultimate to get that? Like it, it's not clear. So I think core was rushed. I think, this goes on ice until they just figure out whatever's going on with everything else. I'm with you both, by the way. I, I don't think we'll see this again. Um, I think if Microsoft had intended to roll this out globally, they wouldn't have given a statement like this, you know, vague as it is. They probably would have said, you know, we're excited to launch this everywhere very soon. Or they would have just not said anything and in the next, you know, 30 days, like in the very near future, they would have just gone ahead and, and expanded it worldwide. So I, uh, I make it unanimous with the, with the two of you guys. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, the, the gamers in Colombia and the gamers in Ireland got to, will be the only people that got to test this thing out. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do a trivia question. I feel bad that Stella's not here, uh, <laughs> but please, she'll be back next week. Comic-Con will be over. And I can... don't know if she will be. She has another thing next week. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> uh, we will we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But for the time being, Destin, uh, chance to really pad the lead here. Khalif, not on the board yet from your previous appearance, not super long ago. But you're you're strapped into the rocket here for the next <laughs> five and a half months. And Destin's not that far ahead, so I'd love to see you make a game of this. I'm trying. Destin at four points. Nobody else has more than one. So here we go with this week's Unlock Block trivia question. Sent in by Dave Babcock, whose gamer tag is Unkempt Dread. He asks, during their marketing campaign for the initial release of the original Xbox, 
a well-loved sitcom at the time featured a scenario where it was the Xbox was a desired console and one of the characters was referencing it, making a humorous innuendo using the console's name. What sitcom was that? Was it Friends? Was it Everybody Loves Raymond? Was it Frasier? Or was it Will and Grace? I will go to Khalif first on this one. Man, this is a hard one because, like, in terms of notoriety and, you know, which which show was on top for a long period of time, of course, Friends was a huge, huge, huge mega hit in that way. I mean, all, uh, all four of these were were pretty big shows. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Frasier only because of the seattle vibes that were mm. there in terms of proximity but in terms of the innuendo part will and grace would really have pulled that together in a really smart and interesting way oh i'm gonna go frazier i'm gonna go frazier okay. on this one all right destin just for the Let's record i hated everybody loves raymond i hated I that like show. everybody loves raymond either <laughs> yeah i, I like never that. liked that show I like that. Like, Fra- like Frasier. I didn't really watch Will and Grace at the time. I I loved Friends. I was super invested in that first season. Uh, I'm going to go Friends. Yeah. All right. Reasonable. Yeah. I guess for the record, since we're all sharing, uh, I too watched Friends, enjoyed that show at the time. Didn't watch Everybody Loves Raymond, so I just have no opinion of it. Didn't watch Will and Grace, but I liked Frasier. Frasier was fun. Um, as yeah, I you know I had watched. I guess I'm just old enough for kind of the tail end of Cheers, which of course is where oh, the Fraser yeah. Crane character originated. He was yep. mm-hmm. one of the barflies at the Cheers bar in Boston. Anyway, uh, I was so hoping that that Khalif, you would you'd almost oh. talked yourself into the right answer, oh. and then you did. It, it was Will and Grace. I had okay. a feeling. I had a feeling. Dang Those it. Will and Grace. So, uh, Dave, thank you so much for sending in your question. You have stumped the panel. And to be fair, I don't. I'm not sure I would have gotten this either. I probably would have narrowed it down. I mean, the the Seattle thing that you mentioned, Kyle, was smart because, yeah. of course, the show based in Seattle, Microsoft out of Seattle. You know my logic. Um, I thought it was oh, Xbox. Yeah. It would be a joke about like Ross's X or something, and they worked <laughs> it in the script that way. Okay, so, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that was my logic for picking Friends. <laughs> I, the, I can see my, that. My Lots Will and Grace logic. Episode. Yeah, yeah. My Will and Grace logic was that the character played by Megan Mullally, who I had a huge crush on, <laughs> uh, she would often play into the sexual innuendo card. So it, it made a lot of sense in that in that regard. We're not player of it, but dang it, almost, almost had it. <laughs> next week, you'll be back <laughs> next week. Next so week, next week. no points on the board this week. If you, anybody out there listening or watching, has a good Xbox trivia question, please send it my way, and you might be featured on an upcoming episode of Unlocked. All you got to do is email unlocked at ign.com. Include the question. Include four multiple choice answers. Note the correct one in your email. Don't forget your, of course, your name and optionally your gamer tag as well. And with that, we have come to the episode of this renegade episode. We're <laughs> we're not we're we're on company time, but we're not utilizing company resources to make this episode. <laughs> we're utilizing Destin's resources, yeah. which we are grateful to him Doing for producing duty. this thing. Yes. So this has been Unlocked 604. Kyle, let me go to you first. Give yourself a plug. Let no, let people know where they can find you, follow you, track what you're up to. 
Yeah, you can check out uh, the work I do while I'm not here rocking with two of the best on the planet. Uh, over at Spawn On Me, uh, we do a live show usually every Thursday afternoons or evenings. We've been kind of moving things around. Uh, we're doing that on YouTube.com slash Spawn On Me for the podcast. If you want to check out some gaming content, twitch.tv slash Spawn On Me is the place to go. And I would say check out the latest episode. We had a, a double header of interviews. We had uh, Rick... Here, the the GM from Evo talking about the, the the biggest fighting game tournament on the planet and what they're going to be doing, and we had uh, Dave McCarthy, CVP of Xbox Player Services, on the show to talk about their Xbox Voice Reporting feature that they've been putting on onto console, at least beta nice. testing, uh, uh, very recently. So really good information about you know what that means for you as a player and the safety layers that they're putting in there. And if you're a fighting game fan, a lot of good conversations about not getting Hadoukened in the face. That's all, lots of conversations. All, all podcast platforms on, on the planet. You can check it out wherever you want to. Good stuff. Destin? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Destin Legary, on threads at Destin Legary if you're, if you're still using threads <laughs> a week later. Uh, uh, what else I got going on? You know, YouTube, the Destin channel, IGN. For IGN, I'll be Googling how to not duplicate your display three times in OPS <laughs> when recording a, a ramshackle together episode of podcast unlocked but uh yeah thanks for watching everybody that's all i got uh you can find me on twitter at dmc underscore ryan and uh yeah the oh yeah just play the thing tomorrow that feels like it was made for me and me alone uh you'll know it when you see it or when you think about it uh, you'll and then, like I said, we we have a neat video about it on IGN hitting tomorrow. Meaning tomorrow, meaning Thursday. Just in case you're not listening to this right when we record it on Wednesday, so don't miss that. Uh, Ronnie Barrier put that together that the video for for the mystery game embargo game that I'm talking about, and he did a great job on it. So I want to give him a shout out. I want to thank Khalif for stepping into the lion's den here, hanging out with us, uh, bringing his awesome insights and perspectives. Very excited to have you for uh, for the next several months, hopefully, whatever it's going to end up being. I mean, we miss Miranda, don't get me wrong. Yeah, It'll be good to have her back, but in the meantime, nobody better than Khalif Adams to jump in with us. So I'm grateful to you, my friend, and grateful to everybody for listening and watching. Thank you all so much. This was Unlocked 604. We'll see you next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.